self-care with Louise on the Hub. Self-care is where you get a chance to give me a text and let me know if there's anything that you have been enjoying at the minute, be it beauty products, be it, um, you know, I suppose a little bit of self-care, if it's an app that you're loving, anything like that, you can fill me in and let me know on 087-1102-107. Now, we've heard a lot, especially in the reality TV world, um, about people maybe talking about the likes of Ozempic um, and celebrities basically using it uh, to lose weight. Uh, now, it's really great to be having a chat with Sheena Mitchell, of course, you're a pharmacist and author of a report that is addressing Ozempic. Um, I know that I watch a lot of reality TV and a lot of it comes from the States. Um, but, you know, I, I think we hear a lot about Ozempic, but we don't know much about it. I suppose, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. It's really great to have you on the show. I really appreciate your time. No problem at all. Delighted to be here. If we start from the beginning, what can you tell us about Ozempic? that maybe is a little bit outside of, you know, the the reality TV world or celebrity or, or that type of thing? Because, you know, quite a lot of people do actually use it for genuine health reasons. Yeah, so with Ozempic, it's actually been around since about 2013 and it was developed initially to help regulate blood glucose levels in diabetic patients. But over the last number of years, its side effects became very apparent. And some of these had a very positive result on type 2 diabetics' weight loss. And this really is down to the fact that it slows down digestion of food. And basically, the glucose then takes longer to be absorbed. And as a result of this, you get a decrease in body weight and body fat mass because you're not as hungry. So, you know, your your I suppose your appetite decreases and you also lose your preference for high fat foods. So this medication obviously became very relevant in the weight loss space for obese patients because it is actually game changing for those patients. And what's really important to remember in these conversations is that type 2 diabetes and obesity are really interconnected and linked. So I think it's important to keep the conversation about the true health factors and it's very easy to dismiss Ozempic and its benefits in weight loss, you know, on the back of kind of the Kardashian effect mm-hmm. and, you know, many people talking about it in a way where you have slim people taking it, trying to get slimmer to fit into a dress for an award ceremony. But the reality is that for a lot of patients who are suffering with the chronic complex disease of obesity, Ozempic is actually life-changing and could have a huge impact on the health system in Ireland. Absolutely, because, you know, I suppose if it's not for the buzzword of, you know, like, as as you mentioned, you know, the Kardashian effect of people who are already slim are slimming down even more to drop dress size. But at the same time, if somebody genuinely is struggling with obesity or type 2 diabetes, you know, they shouldn't be made to feel like they're an addict or somebody who's, who's, you know, partaking in something that's a quick fix. Because, you know, I think anybody, I've struggled with my own weight up and down for years, you know, anybody who does struggle with weight, you know, it's it's an important decision that I'm sure they have to make to go on this drug and they kind of want to be taken seriously if it is a serious health issue for them. Exactly. And so for my podcast, I wanted to represent the patient view and try and capture what exactly that feels like. Because as a community pharmacist, 
you know, I was seeing the pressures that we were under to ask certain questions and seeing the impact that that was having on our relationships and with our patients. And it's really important to say that stigma has no place in healthcare in any aspect of it. And in community pharmacy, it's exactly exactly the same thing. And we've been forced into this horrible situation where we have been told to ascertain whether a patient is using it for diabetes or for weight loss. And we've been told to provide it to diabetic patients and not to weight loss patients at the moment because there is such issues with supply because of the increased global demand. But that doesn't reflect the understanding that community pharmacists have of obesity as a disease. It's purely down to licensing. Like in Ireland, we have such a big problem, like 60% of adults and 20% of kids are living with obesity and are overweight. And this is expected you know, expected just to double over the next two years. Mm-hmm. So by 2060, it's expected that 88% of Irish people will be overweight or obese. And if you look at that from a government point of view, I'd be flagging to them that like obesity is one of the main risk factors for obviously type 2 diabetes, but also for cardiovascular disease, mental health issues, respiratory disease, like and all treating all of those secondary conditions mm-hmm, relating yeah. to obesity costs a huge amount of money. And we're not going to, our health system is already broke. We're not going to be able to address it. So I really think that it's important to take a pragmatic approach now and to address obesity as the valid disease that it is and provide with this patient group. And you're right, like out of the report that I did for Wondercare podcast, 89% of my listeners who use Ozempic and are trying to get it are feeling the stressed about the shortages and the way they're being treated. So that's not okay. Like that's not respect in a healthcare environment and you know that's not something we should be proud of. Yeah absolutely. I suppose you know going forward what would you like to see done because I suppose obviously highlighting the issue on radio and television and stuff like that you know I feel like it kind of it alerts people as to the fact that you know people who are using Ozempic um, yes obviously we've seen the Hollywood factor of it all but you know there are people who have type 2 diabetes that do genuinely need it what would you as I suppose a pharmacist um, and with your own podcast as well what would you like to see being done moving forward? Yeah so I suppose look I've seen a document that was produced by Simon Harris about the obesity policy and action plan for Ireland and I don't see anything that's actually been delivered on it Mm -hmm. and Ozempic and similar medicines which are currently coming to market are a really big gift, I suppose, from Big Pharma. And I know that sounds ridiculous as a pharmacist, I sound like I'm biased, but actually, you know, obese patients will agree with me. It's not as simple as eating less and exercising more. There's a lot of complex factors involved in weight loss and your relationship with food and other diseases that can cause weight gain and even other medications that could be life-saving that you're taking for another reason. So for these groups of people, where um, one of these GLP drugs are needed, I think that we should be trying to, first of all, think now, okay, so unfortunately the reality is there aren't enough of them, but Wayjovi is a drug which contains the same ingredient as Ozempic, and that's sitting in review with the NCPE, who are basically the economic people who decide you know, whether the health service are going to pay for this for patients or not. And that's, that particular one is purely licensed by the European Authority for weight loss. So I would love to see them come out and say, yes, absolutely, we're going to support all of our patients. And if we can get supply of Wayjobi, 
then we should be able to provide it on the drugs payment scheme or medical card to patients who are in the obese category. And at the moment, like we're, we're only paying for extremely, you know, I suppose high risk patients for Saxenda, which is the other one of these drugs. And it's extremely expensive for pay- people to access. And it's extremely difficult to meet the criteria. You have to have a BMI of over 35 and have pre-diabetes and a whole other array of symptoms. So I feel that we should be addressing it before it gets to the point that people are disabled from obesity. And by doing that, we're giving them a crutch and an ability to go back towards a healthy lifestyle and the support that they need. And I think you can't just use medication to solve this problem. We spend a lot of money and time educating children in schools about health food yeah but if they're going home to parents who aren't getting the same education and support then it's kind of wasted like who's cooking here it's not the five and six year olds who you know are having little bits of cucumber thrown at them in school it's about you know educating our population about food and i've said before controversially that i do think that we should consider taxing like where's all this money going to come from but i think we should consider taxing you know companies who are producing really unhealthy processed yeah, and yeah. snacks and give that money to the local producers we're losing growers in Ireland of yeah. like, I think it's like you know it's, it's dire the situation I think we import 95% of our apples like yeah. that's not right you know I went to go and get um, some lunch earlier on and it's seven fifty for for a salad but yet it's you know four fifty for a chicken fillet roll so I mean you know you try to choose the healthy option but it's nearly costing you double in price so I mean something yeah. has to be done government government wise because the, the fact that processed food has been thrown at us um, you know as the the quick and easy choice and it's obviously very over processed high in high in calories but yet if you want to go and have a salad you know you're almost charged uh, quite a lot more for something that has the same ingredients is healthier for you so I mean yeah I agree with you there maybe there should be some sort of taxation system on very unhealthy food and give it to the local producers who are trying to keep their doors open exactly so subsidise so that like ultimately I find as a mum of three kids I'm very, very busy. Like, the two of us are working. And, you know, if you have a family where you have a single parent, like, what hope do they have Mm -hmm. preparing nutritious, affordable meals? Like, not a lot. Sometimes, like, you know, your bag of nuggets or whatever is the only way that you can afford to feed your family. So I think we need to subsidise that. And I don't even care if we have to go to food. (laughs) It's like, whatever makes this work. So that, you know, in essence, we're redistributing the finance away from the unhealthy options and allowing local producers to get more involved and making it cheaper for the customer and just a bit more convenient. It would be very easy for them to give out free recipes that are simple and nutritious in the supermarkets and maybe they subsidise meals that people can just go in and access cheap, healthy food and very simple instructions on how to prepare it and make it so that the taxes are hitting the people who are trying to target us with processed unhealthy food because it's look we're living in a time which isn't the same as our grandparents there isn't someone at home all the time the community you know you don't have say your sisters or your brothers or your parents maybe living in your community anymore because of work people have had to move out of their traditional I suppose community and it's all very isolating and it's all very difficult for family life so we just need to try and find ways to make it easier for people 
Yeah, I 100% agree. Sheena, I could probably talk to you about this all day. I find it so interesting. Um, and I hope you'll come back and join me on the show again. Um, but if anybody wants to find out more, if they want to read, of course, um, that paper that you've written about it, or indeed listen to your own podcast, um, where's the best place to go to find out all the details? Yeah, so it's called A Wonder Care Podcast. And it's also available on my website, which is wondercare.ie. Oh, brilliant. Sheena, of course, uh, you're a pharmacist and author of um, a report on Ozempic and, of course, a podcast host as well of wondercare.ie podcast. Um, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me your time on this and I hope to catch up with you again really soon. That's brilliant. Thank you. Not at all. Thank you, Sheena. And um, I've always wondered about it. And I think when you watch a bit of reality TV and you see all of the celebs talking about Ozempic and being accused of being on Ozempic, it's nice to know a little bit more about it. Of course, if you missed any of the self-care segments here on the Hub and iRadio, you can check them out on iradio.ie.